Beginning at verse 22. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. He looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. You may take your seats. Amen. Man, the word of God for the people of God. Someone say, thanks be to God. Amen. We've been dealing with the subject matter called handling life's challenges. And this is the 23rd iteration over this year that we've been looking at these texts about handling life's challenges. I want to suggest that the challenge that Jesus is dealing with tonight is, is a challenge that all of us have to deal with, and that's the challenge of expectations. And so Jesus, in the next few pericopes, and I say few pericopes because they are separate stories all in the same chapter, but he's dealing with the same issue, and that's handling expectations. Because sometimes our expectations are out of line with reality, and they're out of line with what's going to actually take place. I, um, I'm, some of you uh, probably know I've used the illustration before from Botched. Uh, I just, I, I like Doc Navarro, Doc Nasty, wonder what his name they, you know, they, you know those, you know those two doctors. I enjoy, I, I crack up, but the reason I, I, I get it is because there's a formula there that they use constantly. And the formula goes something like this. They look at the case, they bring the person back in the back into the office and look at the case again. And then if they think they can help them, the thing they have to do is say, I think we can help you, but I need to let you know, what if we could get you 50% better, 70% better? What if we could get, I can't make this perfect. What if I could get you here? And what they're trying to do is to manage the individual's expectation prior to surgery so that when they come out, they're not disappointed. I want to tell you, I may think I can probably get 99%, but I'm going to tell you 50, so you're real happy if I only hit 75. Because they got to manage your expectations. You got an idea of what this is going to look like. Um, cute little story. I've seen it years ago. Uh, Michael Douglas is in it called the American President. American President. Cute little story. A widow, widower president. He's there. He's running the country. Finds a woman that he falls in love with. Starts dating her. They decide they're going to be closer than they ought to be for unmarried people. And And they get to the point where, well, that's an essential part of the story. I'm, I'm being pressed to just tell the story, but it's essential. It's, this is qualitative information here. It's not, I'm not filling in space here. So, so they get to that point where they want to do something that they're not supposed to do. So they go, and he explains to her 
that, you know, he realizes that the reason everybody's nervous is because most first ladies knew their husband before they became president. So they already had a relationship. So they weren't sleeping with the commander-in-chief or the leader of the free world. And then he says something that's really interesting. He says, now I want you to know that that commander-in-chief, leader of the free world, is just a political designation. I'm Those of you supposed to get it will get it. The rest of you will ask someone on the way home. It's interesting because in life, you always have to do it. And you pretty much have to do it, particularly if what you're trying to manage could potentially disappoint somebody. Because I want to manage your disappointment. Or if you know you thought it was going to be one way and now it's this way, so let me just get it up front. And there's something when you read this text here in Mark that Mark is trying to teach us some real powerful lessons that are missed because they're miraculous and they're powerful and they're all that. So you miss the deeper truth there because you want to shout on the miracle. Yes, there is a miracle in the verses we just read because Jesus restores his sight. That's miraculous. That's miraculous. And I want to call that messianic sight. God gives messianic sight. See, the reason I use the word messianic is because one of the things that Messiah would be able to do would be to do miracles. And one of the miracles that he'd be able to do according to Isaiah 35 and 5, it said, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the deers of the deaf shall be unstopped. So this is a messianic miracle. And that's what God does. But if you read the text closely again, there's something interesting about this healing that we don't see in other places. Jesus, number one, takes him out of town. He said, let's go over here by ourselves. Everybody can't be in on what we're getting ready to do. I'm going to bless you, but I'm not going to bless you in front of these folk. Right now, let's step over here because I'm going to give you the hookup. You know, I need, I need to say this to somebody. Some people can't be blessed because they got to have everybody else know how blessed they are. If you can't be blessed by yourself, you're probably going to be in trouble because there's sometimes God wants to give you the hookup that he doesn't necessarily want to have everybody there for the hookup he's hooking you up with. Now let me, let me, I'm going to mess you up now. You're going to need, it's going to bother you. Don't get upset. Just understand. There had to be other people that were out there that were blind. And he wasn't getting ready to heal all them. He said, I'm going to bless you. Come over here. There were other people out there that needed miracles and he was not getting ready to have a prayer line. Come over here. I can remember um, being in line one time and person telling me, you know, uh, get out of line, just, just sit down. And I'm like, man, I don't want to lose my spot. 
What I didn't realize is they were saying, Reverend, you don't have to stand here because you're going to get a hookup in a minute. This line will be over with, and what I can't do for all them, I can do for you, but they can't see me do what I'm getting ready to do for you. I know you've been there. I know you've been there. And God has a way of saying, yes, favor ain't fair. So don't get angry about it because your day of favor going to come. When somebody else get their hook up, don't get your jaws all tight. He said, look, come to the side. Brings him to the side. Then he does something. I don't know what Jesus got with this spitting stuff. But I, I, I just hope he didn't hock first. Because <laughs> sometimes I'd be like, <laughs> my wife, you know, poor girl. Yeah, some of y'all know what I'm talking about because some of y'all got them deep ones too. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Deaconess, y'all help me out here. <laughs> Listen, Jesus spits on the dude, puts it in his eyes, and then says, how do you see? And he said, if I get this spit out of my eyes, it might be <laughs> That's not in the text. I'm sorry. That's not, that's not in the text. I couldn't let it go. Y'all forgive me. I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Y'all going to see something in a minute. Watch, I'm going somewhere. So Jesus says, how do you see? Now, apparently, he must not have been one that was born blind because he has an idea of what people look like because he says, I see men as trees. Okay? Then Jesus says, let me give you the second touch. And at which point, all of a sudden, boom, his eyes are open. And the text says that he saw everyone clearly. Now, now it, it looks like right there, we probably should just run away from it, leave it alone. But that, that, that's something in there. His first sight. Stay with me now. We're just talking about the blindness. His first sight was what? Indistinct, not completely descriptive, almost unintelligible. I got some fragments, but I can't see everything. I can see, but I can't see clearly. And it wasn't until the second touch till he could see clearly stay with me the next verse begins another section although it's a part of this section but it's in the next section as well because the next verse verse 26 says something that's a part of the next section but it's part of this one as well Jesus then said to him send him away to his house saying Neither go into town nor tell anyone in town. Gary Von Rod calls this the messianic secret. And I want to call it that too. So I've got messianic sight and this messianic 
secret. Jesus says, don't tell nobody right now. Keep it to yourself. Don't even go in town. Don't tell anyone else. Go on about your business. Go on. Be good. Now, at first glance, this seems kind of weird. You know, because, you know, most of us come up in a place where we want to tell somebody. And we, we get shouting on songs like I said I wasn't going to tell nobody. But I couldn't keep it to myself. But I couldn't keep it to myself. And I, what the Lord had done for And then we really get happy. You ought to have been there. Lamont, they wondering if you sleep over there, man. They just, they back there, they doing the hand movements and everything. You know, but, but, but maybe Leroy could have woke you up or hit a key or hit the stick or something, y'all. To do. Okay, never mind. I'm just, I'm just saying because they were saying it back there. Uh, Sister Robinet, I'm charging you to have a talk with him today, okay? All right. All right this is it. So, anyway, here you go. I've been working a lot of days in a row. I'm tired. I just... so here it is. He says, shh, shh, shh. Look at somebody go, shh. Dad, I wait a minute. It's too good. You need to tell somebody. I hope you didn't shush him too bad and pick up some of Jesus' spit with it. <laughs> this is, okay. This is, save this tape. This probably shouldn't be on the internet. I'll just say it. <laughs> He's, he charged him not to tell anyone. Now look at the next story. Now I'm not trying to break these down for, I want you to see it as a whole. Look at the next story. Because it starts in verse 27, but I told you that it's a part of that first one. Because notice what happens in the next story. Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi and on the road he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? Verse 28, so they answered John the Baptist, but some say Elijah and others say one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. Notice what's next, verse 30. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. Okay. I bet you don't read that a hundred times. Didn't see those things together, did you? He just told, just healed a blind man after a double dip. Now he gets this word here from Peter that says thou art, some translations say, the Messiah. And after he says it, he does not go back and say, ooh, you did a great job. Now Peter's confession is great. It speaks to something that's going on. He understands Peter has come to a place where he's saying the right thing. But understand something. Mark in this part here has done a redaction with intentionality. 
Now, you're looking at me now, you're asking me, what did he redact? Because you know what he redacted. Because what does he say in the other passages? Huh? He goes on to affirm Peter. Okay, come on back. I see y'all, y'all struggling with it. Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew 16, verse 17 through 19, Jesus affirms Peter with these words. Now, you can't tell me that Mark didn't know about this, but it didn't suit what Mark wanted to teach us. So it's redacted from here, in my estimation. Not necessarily so, but in my estimation. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. He says, And I also say unto you, Peter, that you, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He affirms what Peter says. And then he boosts it up by giving him and giving to church the keys. But when Mark writes the story, Mark is writing with intentionality. And his redaction, if it is a redaction, or his other source, which it could be, is intentional because it wants to say something else. He says to us, don't tell anyone right now. First guy, he says, don't tell anybody. This guy he says, don't tell anybody. Now, I think, I think that this messianic secret here is a secret at this point. And Mark is building up a storyline. Because the expectations of what Messiah would be are going to be so radically different from what Jesus would be that Jesus needs time to shift the expectations so that they can understand who he is before they go out and project it and pronounce it as the good news. They're not ready to tell yet. You know, I know, I know people get saved and, you know, it's almost like, uh, let, me, let me use myself as an example. I took lessons with golf with these guys right over here, Mr. Washington and them, and I, got, I could hit the ball pretty far and everything, but I never really got to be a good golfer. I was okay. I can play a little bit. But, but, never got to be, but, but those guys can play. Just because I hit one good shot, does not mean I'm now an authority to give advice to the next golfer on the tee. They've been playing 40 years. I've been playing 40 minutes. Are you following me? Don't know enough. Bro, Fletcher back there, he can hit a ball off the ground farther than I can hit it off a tee. In case you don't know how hard that is to do, the ball's on the ground. And it's not lifted up. I like things high and lifted up. Y'all ain't got it yet. Okay. 
It wasn't ready yet. Now, what do you mean, Reverend? What are you trying to say? Jesus needs to get them to a point now where they shift, and I could probably use this word as well, where they reframe and reset and realign. They reframe, reset, and realign. Thank you, Reverend Jackie. If they don't get this, they're going to miss the bigger picture because when stuff starts going down, they're going to be weeping when they ought to be rejoicing. If they don't get this new lesson when stuff starts going down, they're going to be upset thinking God has abandoned them instead of recognizing that God has a plan for them. If they don't get this part, they're going to be throwing their hands in the air and acting like all hope is lost instead of realizing that hope unborn has not died, but instead has been birthed afresh into their midst. In the next section, Jesus says, let's hit the reset. And here in the next section, we get what I call the messianic shift. Now, the messianic shift. Why is it a shift? When he comes in town riding on the donkey on Palm Sunday, that's kind of the way they were hoping. Kingly stuff. They wanted somebody to be king. Come in, let's take over. We ready, ride or die. We're going to tear something up. Let's go get ours. They've been in charge long enough. Let's turn this. We're going to turn this. Okay, anyway. See, the, the funny part about it is 90% of y'all knew the next line. All except your mother and sister Charlene. She, she, but Elder Charles do. <laughs> look, 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 look. He has to shift them. And um, let me see if I can help you. Watch this. Let's go down to verse 31. Are y'all y'all still here now? Y'all y'all with me? I know this is different, but I'm having fun tonight. Come on. Y'all are gonna see the Bible like you ain't never seen it before with me. I'm gonna rock your world. Come on, let's go. You go. Verse 31. And he said unto, he began to teach them that the son of man. <clears throat> son of man? I thought I just told you the Messiah. I just called you Christ. Why are you calling yourself son of man? Because what you're thinking of this glorious, luxurious Christ, I'm thinking of a suffering Savior. And I need you to get your head wrapped around how God really is going to do this. He's not giving me the sword in the flesh to do it. He's giving me the suffering sacrifice to do it. He's not going to take it by force of violence. 
Instead, he's going to take it by free will. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took, took him aside and began to rebuke him. That side conversation, y'all. He began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, get behind me, Satan. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. See, that whole Messiah Christ thing that you are hyped on, you as you thinking king. God's thinking king of kings. You're thinking in your flesh. God's thinking spiritual. God's changing the world and not simply one nation. Here it is. Instead of the affirmation we saw in Matthew, we see a rebuke here. A stern rebuke to Peter. What you are saying is fleshly. And that's the way fleshly folk think. They only think about getting what they want, meeting their personal needs. They only think about their own luxury, but they don't think about what it means to God. Instead, Peter, I rebuke that spirit. That's not the spirit of this crown. That's why you're not ready to tell anything yet. Shut up till you understand what you're talking about. Now you understand it? You can't tell anything yet. You don't understand it yet. You don't have it good enough in your spirit yet. No, be quiet till you get this thing processed. And once you get it processed on the day of Pentecost, when you speak, you will be able to connect the dots back to the Old Testament and give my word and 5,000 will be saved. But you ain't ready to get that word yet. You still got some running to do. You still got some cussing to do. You still got some fighting to do. You still got some hell raising to do. You ain't ready yet. And one of the problems with most people that want, that know that they're called and that have an anointing on their life, they don't even realize they ain't ready. You can have an anointing and have a promised position and not ready to walk in it. And the beauty of God is he doesn't take Peter's position. God look at Pete, Pete later on. He would tell him, say, okay, now, I just heard all that nice stuff you just said. You're going to mess up three times. And when you convert it, when you get your head together, strengthen everybody else. He, you, you don't even know when to shout. Here's the good news. Look at somebody now. Say, neighbor, God knew you were going to mess up before you did it. <laughs> okay, look at, look at this, look at this. I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm walking down the, the Daniel Boone Trail. When he called the people to himself with his disciples, verse 34, also he said to them, let's shift this around. 
That, that's that Kennedy shift here. You know, John F. Kennedy uh, says that, that wonderful speech, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Jesus says, I'm, I'm gonna put it back on you. Don't simply talk about what the Messiah is gonna do for you. What are you gonna do for Messiah? That's why these next verses become powerful. Because he says, when he calls him to self, he says, I'm in the middle of the verse there, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what profit will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and loses, oh man, his soul. But what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, and now notice now, we weren't even talking about shame. I, you, you see that? He wasn't talking about shame. How you jump on shame all here? Because see, if you're talking about my leader, my prophet, my Messiah suffering, there's a shame to that. If he's going to die on the cross, there's a shame to it. And Jesus said, look, if you don't get this picture, that if you're ashamed of what I need to do to get you where you need to be, then God will be ashamed of you too. Instead, he bids them to come join him in the fellowship of suffering. Now, let me just say this. If, um, if uh, LeBron James would ask you to join his basketball team as he did Anthony Davis, he's asking him to come so they can win a championship together. But what he also is asking him is, I need you to come grind with me. Because I realize as good a player as I am, I can't pull this off by myself. And we're going to struggle, we're going to suffer, but we can also rejoice when it's over together. I use that plain one right there so that you'd understand this. What Jesus says is, I need you to win the world. I want you to be participants in the kingdom. But if you grind with me, you'll also enjoy the fruit of the labor at the championship. You also get the crown with me. What I got to realize is that I got to put mine in along with his. Okay. See, when I talk to the messianic shift, he, this is a huge shift here because it almost jumps in out of the blue. We weren't even talking about him going to the cross. And all of a sudden, we get three predictions of him right in a row of him getting ready to die. I'll give them back to you in a moment. Don't worry. And now all of a sudden, we got a whole different view. But it's not a view that he comes up with independently. It's a fulfillment of prophecy. So I want to close tonight showing you that what Jesus was saying to them was what he had come to understand about himself from Scripture. And that's where I'll close. 
because the shift had already been made in his mind. And before anybody could go out giving his word, I don't need you going out getting people to join me because they can see miracles. Because everybody is not going to have the healing and the miracle. And every miracle that happens is temporary because it's done in the flesh. And yes, I don't care if your name is Hezekiah and you pray for healing, it's temporary. And I'm glad the Bible even says, I'm putting the time limit, you got 15 more years. Because every healing, every miracle is temporary. It's done in the time, space, temporal world, and it will pass. Sooner or later, even if you've been healed from cancer, you'll die from something else because you're not intended to live forever. What Jesus said, I don't need people chasing me for miracles and I don't need people chasing me because they think I'm a Christ Messiah going to give everybody party over here every day and milk and honey. I ain't going to do that. I need people who will come and be disciples who know clearly what they're getting into. They recognize they have to come join me and tear their own cross. Look at this. Look at this. Go to one meter. Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52. Ah, I, boy, I like this. This, I like this lesson. Isaiah 52. If you go down to verse 13. Isaiah 52, verse 13. And I'm going to go start at verse 13. And I just want us, in the time we have left, to just read some word. Okay, so we're going to do 52 and 53. We're just going to read it, and I'm not going to try and stop for so many times because I just want you to really read it in the context of what I just said a moment ago. Because I think you, I want to say this before you start reading. You might want to make yourself a personal note. You know, sometimes we need to realize the pain that precedes the promise. The pain that precedes the promise. See, everybody wants to get with the promise, and that's the end result. But pain many times precedes promise. You go through something before you get to the end. If you have it, let's get together. Let's read, beginning at verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently he shall be exalted and extolled and very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his vestige was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them, they shall see. And what they had not heard, they shall consider. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men. Can you see Jesus? A man of sorrow 
and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded. Good God Almighty. For our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as sheep before his shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generations? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence. Oh, wait a minute. I just need to stop for a moment. Let me just. Can you see it? They had an expectation of a raiment, shining, garment, king. And Jesus needs to get them to the place where they understand that's not going to happen until after I win the hearts and souls of my people. And I got to pay a price first before I can make that happen. Come on, let's, let's just see this one more. I, I, we're, we're still there. He, said, he says, there was no violence, not, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He was put, put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, and shall he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide a spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. When Jesus is speaking, he's reminding us that what he was saying to the disciples was the exact same thing of what the prophet had predicted needed to take place for the salvation of souls and what they needed to do was to shift their expectations so that they could find joy in suffering so that they could get excited about going through so they could realize that God was going to deliver and bless them and that yes they may experience some difficult days 
Yes, you may go to the hospital and cry. You may get tests back that don't meet with your ideal expectations. Loved ones you care about, their bodies may go down. Yes, you may have times when you can't get yourself out of bed, but God has not abandoned you. And he still keeps his word. I will not leave you nor forsake you, but I'll be with you even until the end of the world. Weeping. <clears throat> May endure for a night. I wish I had somebody help me. But joy still comes in the morning. If I suffer with him, I'll reign with him. He says, if any man will come after me, let him or her deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. And I just thought I'd give you this last thing. I've decided to follow Jesus. Come on, somebody help me praise him. No turning back. God bless you. I love you all with the love of the Lord. I'm, I'm excited about God. Hopefully you got a lot out of this. I know you, you had to look at it a whole different way. Some of y'all got to go back.